try to prove otherwise this is the clashing sabers podcast i am one of your hosts brandon boylan and with me are your main men the man the myth and the legend you can figure out which one's which i've got Foden bead from the starbuck podcast hey that was What's going the on, sickest intro we've ever experienced actually yeah i've been i've been working on that all day honestly i've been building it up and practicing it in my head i had to it had to be epic for you guys coming on the show that we, was pretty sweet we need to get a recording of that and just play it every time we good thing good thing together. we're recording that okay you, should, you <laughs> should put it as your ringtone and and your alarm and everything there it is the chicks dig it i promise <laughs> I'm, so what's I'm going? slightly skeptical about that one. <laughs> and I'm married, I mean... so I don't care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm right in the middle between there, so we're <laughs> We got all ends of the spectrum going on. Yeah, oh, we... man. Oh, what's man, going so... on, man? We haven't seen you in a while, but we chat here and there. Yeah, it's been, what, oh, God, almost two months now, right? I, I'm kind of sad yeah. that it's been that long. Yeah. Oh, everything blurs together. Yeah, it's been crazy so haven't been able to podcast too much lately because school started back up so i've been training stop and when did like that, that start in august stop it yeah yeah august 13th monday is the first day of school i'm so mad at your school i mean i mean honestly what? i was going i was going stir crazy sitting around the house so spoken I'm okay like a it. teacher man spoken like yeah, a teacher. <laughs> pretty much yeah I, so, I don't get that i don't get that either and i'm a teacher but I don't have the summer off. That's maybe why I don't get that. Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, I'm pretty good for, like, the first... Like, I teach summer school. So the first, mm-hmm. like, two to three weeks, I'm solid. But then, like, that last week, I'm just ready to be done and, and go back and just... I don't know. I like routine. I like having schedules and stuff. I appreciate so that. It works for me. I appreciate that. So, um, you know what? We're going we're gonna to steal a, a little thing from your podcast. What are you guys drinking tonight? <laughs> Funny that you should ask. <laughs> B, you, you didn't wanna, bring the cheap stuff on our show. I want you to. You want me to talk about yeah. it? So You seem much more delighted about it than I am. We got tonight, uh, we used to get a 30 rack, but apparently now it's a 36 rack. We got this little thing called Keystone Light from Colorado here. And Oh, uh, wow. You went real big. Basically. Spare no expense. We, we, <laughs> yeah. John Hammond like crazy so basically this is like the bottom of the keg of course light brewing and um delicious so delicious (laughs) this is also moving weekend at the local at the local university university of delaware so when we were at the university of delaware which was not a full four years just full disclosure uh we drank plenty of this and um tonight we were just like you know what Move-in weekend, the weather's beautiful, let's have some Keystone. So here we are, it's, drinking Keystone. It's a nostalgia beer. It's a nostalgia beer. It has nothing to do with deliciousness. So legitimately, the only beer I've ever really tried was Coors Light, and I immediately spit it out. And I was like, why would people do this to themselves? <laughs> so if Keystone's worse than that... It's not, not better there. than that. We'll say <laughs> it's that. It's not better than that. <laughs> 
So, all right. So, so what have you guys been Star Warsing lately? Okay, this is my favorite question of your podcast. Bead, what have you been Star Warsing lately? Because you had quite the uh, update for me earlier. Books. Books. You've been reading a lot of books lately. Yeah, I've been crunching some books. So I just finished the... Uh, well, I just finished a lot of books. I finished Revan not too long ago. Oh, that's the mm. one I'm reading right now. That's a good book. It is a good book. I just finished uh, Tarkin and then... Or not Tarkin, uh, Thrawn, and then Thrawn Allegiances. Alliances. Is it Alliances? I don't know. Which one is it, Brandon? Yeah, it's Alliances. Okay. Alliances. Well, sorry. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> I read Regardless. It. Uh, that was really good. I just finished Ahsoka. I bought that book um, from a certain point of view. Fatpov. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking that one. Really? Okay, uh, that makes one of us. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't read it yet. Killed me. Oh man, it killed me. I've gotten lots of positive reviews actually so I'm, far. See, I'm, not... I'm like the only person I know who's like negative on it. Drew absolutely loves it, and he's probably rolling over right now just laughing because more people like this book. But I just, Wasn't I don't you, care huh? about the mouse droid. I don't care about. What the characters in the cantina? I just, it just didn't work for me. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, did you ever yeah. read the Tales from books? Uh, okay, so I have those, but I had hadn't read them. I got like a whole bunch of books from somebody um, that I'm like playing catch up on. Mm-hmm. So I've started the Tales of the Bounty Hunters, and I'm like three quarters of the way through the IG88 one, which is weird as all get out, but I like it a lot. It's not the easiest one to get through, for sure. No, but it's like, it's just the right kind of weird where I like it. Okay, okay. And you read a lot. I was telling B today, you probably read as much or more than he does, and he's a fast, hard reader. See, I'm I'm not a fast reader, but I'm definitely a hard reader. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. That sounds a little risque. It does, um, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Like, I know. You know the term close reading. Yeah, yeah. So I just you're wanna... definitely a close reader. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of working my way through the expanded universe. Okay. I'm hoping if I say it enough on the podcast that I'll continue to do it because I seem to end up saying it every episode. But yeah, I started with Revan. Um, and then last weekend I picked up some more. So Deceived is up next. But I'm all, I keep up with the, the new canon like right when they come out. Yeah. And actually, I'm more of a Legends reader than the new canon, but I've been trying to catch up on the new canon, so I'm still in the middle of Thrawn. I've been having a little bit of a hard time with Thrawn. Really? Yeah, I mean... I feel bad now since I talked it up. Uh, you didn't talk it up, though. I actually feel like you talked me out of it, and then I went with it anyway. <laughs> because your assessment was, just do what you want, just read the characters you like, and my assessment was Thrawn's never really been my favorite character. Right. So... For me, like, reading this Thrawn novel, there's parts of it where I'm like, ooh, this book is really getting good, and I'll, like, sit there and read an extra chapter, read an extra two chapters, and then there's parts of it where I'm like, ah, that was so convenient, I can't even read another word of this. There is a lot in there. I don't know, I feel like Alliances was a little better about that. That's what Bede what said. You, yeah. Bede? yeah, you think so? Okay. See, my problem with Thrawn is, and I said this on our Thrawn Alliances show, is sometimes things do become just too convenient. It's like, 
they lead you on and lead you on and you're confused forever and then all of a sudden it's like that was definitely just a lucky guess and you're playing it up it's mm -hmm. like it's like a guy who trips and then he turns it into a push-up you know it's just not it's that's not a good, good point but i mean i actually feel like that's 90 percent of the book but then the parts i do like i'm like wow this is really good yeah well and this is going to be blasphemy to say and you're probably both going to hate me but yeah never I, I i like the heir to the empire trilogy but because and I think a major part of it is because I read it so late. I'm not as high on it as everybody else. And I see you guys shaking your heads already. <laughs> well, no, because Food's on the same page as you are. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, there's a lot in it that I'm just, like, good without. Yes, like the clone Luke and all, just all the stuff with that. And the whole the, the Dark Solomary, Jedi. I'm not that big yeah. into the Solomary. I'm out. I quit. All right, see ya. See you guys. <laughs> well, this is good. This is a good episode because it's been he, good having you. He quits at least once every one of our good episodes. So. Yeah, that's that is true. If we have a bad episode, it's because he didn't quit. <laughs> we can we can keep the tally. It's kind of like Drew sighing at me. We, we we've got a tally going of that, so we'll just add this right on the same scoreboard. We do have a tally. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really don't like I don't like a lot of stuff that. Uh, I got the, I got the little joke there. Um, <laughs> I uh, I did. I don't even know what I was gonna say next. It, so doesn't, we'll matter. Just, <laughs> it doesn't really matter at all. So Brandon, so, we, we we came up with a recipe for you guys tonight. Great, Chewy. Great. Always thinking with your stomach. Oh, did you? Awesome. Mm -hmm. So this right here, you can see it, but everybody else can't. Oh. This right here is the clucking sabers. Oh, that looks amazing. Okay. So I made a dark side and a light side. One is like a little spicy and seasoned up crazy. And one is just salt and pepper. So the light side is just boneless, skinless chicken thighs. And I put them over peach wood. I know it's not really a Texas thing. But but, but barbecue is, right? Barbecue is, yeah. So I put it over peach wood, which is local. And it's just olive oil, salt, and pepper for anybody listening. Get your grill or smoker to 300 degrees and maybe like 45 minutes to an hour you're good to go. That sounds fantastic. So I poured a beer into a little tin, and that just keeps it moist as it's cooking. And then yeah. I did another one that had adobo seasoning, since you're in the southwest there. Little yeah, bit we use a lot of that. Yep, a little bit of chipotle seasoning, since you're, again, in the southwest there, which is just <laughs> smoked hot peppers. Black pepper and Old Bay, since that we're like a Chesapeake region, you know, clash the sabers a little bit. I, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Same cooking method. A little bit of beer in the tin. About 300 degrees, about an hour. You're good to go, man. So here that we are, chowing on that. Just well, for you we... guys, the clucking sabers. <laughs> the clucking sabers. We will post that in the group. It'll be the official recipe of the Clashing Sabers podcast. Yeah, man. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. So what's on the agenda tonight, man? Man, we are talking lightsaber duels. Ooh, I am it. so excited. Oop, I gotta so... get more beer. <laughs> <laughs> one buddy yeah of course yeah this is like uh, both of us this is like our favorite topic in all of star wars well i thought it was appropriate to do a top want, three bottom three because i don't think i've actually actually ever told told you guys this but your favies navies is kind of what inspired doing the top three bottom oh, really three. oh i yeah, thought it was the other way around i mean i hadn't heard your top three bottom three but i was like oh that's funny they do the same thing we do yeah no i i 
I've always like I like lists and they're they always make for fun episodes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I didn't yeah. want to just do a top five or top ten like everybody else. I like else your does. top three, bottom three. It's one of my favorite so, parts of clashing sabers. Well, cool. Well, we are gonna do top three, bottom three lightsaber duels. All today. right, this is gonna be a blast. And I'm changing the camera on you a little bit just so you can get some all right. appreciation for all the collectibles I got down here. I, I'm seeing like all this stuff back there. Is that old man Luke I saw on the shelf earlier? Yeah, man. B just got me that. That's Black Series old man Luke, and he was like, like I'm not. I'm more of a three and three quarters guy, but as you can see, I have a few Black Series, and I have a Qui Gon and Jin Erso up there. The Jins, as I say. Um, but he got me the that. old man Luke with the octo bottom. It has like a base. Yeah, I can see that. That's awesome. It's, um, and I finally got it up and he said, you need to put it in the pose where he's pulling his hood back. So I did it just for him. That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I got my classroom set up and I'm literally running out of room to put my Funko Pops. I oh, have is like, that, is that your big collectible for you? Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. You don't remember him talking about and that? I, I vaguely remember, but you know, it, again, it was two months ago and I wish it was <laughs> yesterday. I know. Feels like yesterday sometimes. Sometimes. But yeah, I'm like running out of out of room. And I'm still planning on getting more because the Clone Wars ones are coming out. So I've got to get those. Did you get a Cad Bane from SDCC? I haven't yet. I saw Cad Bane at, uh, at Hot Topic and I almost got it, but I was waiting for the Ahsokas to come out and it was like $18 and I had just spent $50 on Pop, so I couldn't really justify it at the moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, know, I know that I, feeling. Yeah, but it, I mean the fifty dollars was worth it. I added Ahsoka, which I have one at home, so now I have one at home and one at school. But they're Is two different. The same ones. Ahsoka? No, it's a different one. So the one I have at home, I have a little Rebels thing um, here. I've got uh, Old Man Rex, Darth Maul, and Ahsoka in the middle. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so those I keep here because those are the ones that if I lost them, I would be really pissed. But uh, then I got the Padawan Ahsoka at school, and I added uh, Padme. So. I'm going to venture out and get get the rest of them here pretty soon, slowly but surely. Funkos are kind of interesting. Like I got, I get them from my daughter. My daughter's name is Ray, so I get her the Ray Which Funkos. Which is fantastic. It is pretty cool. It was by accident. I didn't, like, like, we picked the name before she was born, but also before The Force Awakens. She was still Kira in The Force Awakens, like, um, rumor mill. Right, right. So when we picked the name Ray, we picked a different spelling, but we didn't realize that was going to be the next Star Wars movie. And so when Daisy Ridley's real name was announced in the movie, my wife was like, well, we can't go back now. So <laughs> you might as well just love it and live it. And so I went out and I immediately got her a Force Awakens Ray bobblehead pop. That's and then awesome. We went to Force Friday 2 last year with the Rebel Cause guys, Caden and uh, his brother. And um, I picked out a Last Jedi when the Last Jedi stuff just came out. So, uh, you know, the Funko Pops are an interesting little mix of collectibles. Yeah, they're fun. I like them. They just, they, like, this is going to sound cheesy, but they add a little pop to, you know, the classroom. Mm -hmm. and they make them a little more fun. Yeah, that's and... cheesy. Yeah, it's really cheesy. That was, it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, <laughs> and I quit again. <laughs> hey, we got two. We are on a roll. We're on today. a roll. This is the best episode you've ever had. I promise. <laughs> it's very possible. But yeah, I just, I mean, they're fun. I don't, I mean, I take them seriously in terms of like, they're my collectible. Right. So like, I try to keep them nice, but I don't, I just get like the characters that I like. Like I, 
I don't have a lot from Solo. Um, not because I didn't like Solo, but I just didn't connect with those characters as much. So maybe so. we'll end up talking about this a little bit, but I listened to your guys' episode concerning Solo, and it didn't seem to be the most positive episode overall, which is kind of funny, because our two opinions of Solo are very high overall. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know what's funny is the more I sit with Solo, and, and, and maybe it's the absence of, you know, I've only seen it twice, and I haven't seen it, you know, since the second or third week that it was out. Um, I'm like, I like it more and more, the more I sit with it. It was just, it was very different for me. And Uh it was just, it was a very weird feeling walking out of a star Wars movie and not immediately saying that was my favorite star Wars movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and, and then to also think that it was at the bottom of my list of star Wars movies. And it just was kind of weird having to come to terms with like, this is still an amazing movie that I love, but it's also like the least favorite of something. So it was just a weird thing. But the more I sit with it, the more personally I love it. I know Ash still hates it. Uh, if you listen to Skyhoppers at all, she she always ends up getting stuff in there. But um, is it which your is personal Attack of the Clones? My favorite? No, no. I feel oh. like for most people, Attack of the Clones is their least favorite. And Attack of the Clones is my least favorite. That's mine. It's not I, my least favorite, but for a lot of people, it is. But I love that movie so much. It's slowly, it, it's clawing its way above the Phantom Menace, the more. But is Solo your Attack of the Clones? Yeah, Solo is definitely my Attack okay, of the Clones. Okay, okay, okay. It's at the bottom. From. I guess. So, I mean, I think Solo is going to end up kind of being what Attack of the Clones is for me now. It's going to be like when I watch a Star Wars movie, but I don't want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working mm-hmm. on Lesson Plans or something. I'll throw that on. That's and Rogue still... One for me. Yeah. Really? Not that oh, I don't I love that movie. I love Rogue One, but the first like maybe twenty five minutes of that movie, I just it's a kinda, little choppy. I coast through it. It's it's not yeah. one that like, you know, if I'm scrolling through the channels and I see Rogue One, I'm just like, oh well, that's what I'm doing for the next two hours. Right, 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 right. All right, yeah, I'll put that on and then I'm gonna vacuum my room. I kind of like end up like that with every new movie that comes out. Like right now, I'm watching like anytime I have time, I'm watching Last Jedi, Me just too. trying to I soak was like everything that for a in. While. Just yeah. to kind of go like, like to stop listening to the BS that people say. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and just to kind of like remember that this is supposed to be a fun franchise, exactly. and even a movie as weighty as the Last Jedi, which is arguably the most weighty of all the films is still that's an argument for sure i mean i i think it comes down to that or revenge of the sith i mean if you're looking at the film as a whole i mean if you're looking at moments it's of course going to be you know the i am your father moment but i think if you're looking at the movie as a whole and looking at what carries the most just just weight you know you don't you don't feel uplifted throughout all of Last Jedi until the last, you know, half hour. So. No, that's true of Revenge of the Sith. Also, you're not you're not off base with that. I yeah. hadn't really thought about it that way, but now, Bede, you love Revenge of the Sith, don't you? I do. So, like, I really do. Do you feel that's the most weighty Star Wars movie? Well, it's okay. So, and this might lead like, us into star- lightsaber duels because. Revenge of the Sith has definitely the longest, but arguably, arguably the most intricate and emotional some, lightsaber. Some of my duel. favorites. Oh yeah, and it has the most. Uh-huh. For sure. It definitely has like, the by most. a long shot. Mm-hmm. See, looking from like, you know, 
a, a plot perspective, I feel like Revenge of the Sith is the more weighty of those movies. Right. But, like, watching it, I The Last Jedi just, like, feels more weighty. Heavy. Heavy. Like, you know? Yeah. And it's almost, like, hard to put into words why it is. Yeah. Mm. You uh, know? Like, Revenge of the Sith, I, I feel like, you know... It's blatant how, how heavy it is. Yeah, but it, it also has enough moments of, like... Levity. Levity and... But so does... Last Jedi. Last Jedi is arguably one of the more humorous Star Wars films. Oh, would you not? Yeah, would you I, not agree? I would not. Agree I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go negative on on that one. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I two mean, out of three. That's fair. But I do feel four, that it has quite a few humorous moments. It, it has. It has some great humorous moments, but there. I, I just don't feel like they're as lasting. Like, okay, I don't that's fair. I understand what you're saying. Tossing the lightsaber or the nobody's from nowhere. Jakku, yeah, that's pretty much nowhere. Like, I don't laugh at that stuff anymore, whereas, yeah. you it know. It doesn't hit as hard as, like, Goldenrod, you're going to be a permanent resident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or get this big walking carpet out of my way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even yeah. in, like, The Force Awakens, like, I still crack up when, That's like, not how the Force works. <laughs> like, that and when Ray that's and Finn best. are running through, like, uh, uh, Jacko and she's like stop holding, holding my, my hand, hand. <laughs> it's like that that's funny i laugh out loud that is that. that's yes. good every time actually so, the yes, force you're... awakens might be after empire force awakens might be the funniest star wars movie yeah i mean there's it's definitely an funny. argument to be made for that there's definitely an argument to be made for that i mean i was trying to think through the moments it's pretty th- funny too though solo has a lot of humor throughout it and i well think solo's humor. Solo's going to be the most lasting humor. The only humor that didn't really work for me there was the um, the part with Solo talking... Uh, Shriwook. Shriwook. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And oh, that didn't work for me. I agree yeah. with you. It was questionable. Is, but, isn't the whole thing about Shriwook, like, you know, Wookiees can understand basic, but, like, the... They just can't the make sh- basic. Shriwook is not... A, like a language that other species can speak. Yeah, the, see, that's what I thought too. Like that, I mean, I thought that was just pretty much something that would be pulled over from Legends, right? Yeah. I mean, that was pretty established. Maybe it was supposed to be funny. Like, this is one of those things where you go, okay, maybe it was supposed to be funny. Like, maybe Han is just going, I'm desperate, I'm gonna get crushed by this Wookiee, I'm gonna try something nuts right now. Could, could, I, have, could also have been something like where he was trying to do something like jarring to get Chewie to stop. Or even like Spanish. English, yeah. You know, like where he like he'll mix his Here's, English with his Spanish. The thing I would say about that, though, is they put subtitles. That's and I true. think if you're doing it for he's just desperately trying to get out of a situation, you leave it with an imitation. I mean, like yeah. if you think about, you know, in a comedy, if you're having somebody like try to communicate with somebody in another language, they just start making making stuff up. You don't put subtitles under there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, it that's, is a little a weird scene. Okay, I think it was I think it was just leftover from the Lord and Miller cut, and they didn't have enough time to rebuild the sets and redo it. And it, they're like, you know, it's not terrible. So that does yeah, seem the- like it was a Lord and Miller scene. Yeah, it it definitely felt that way, which is fine. I mean, I I don't hate it. It doesn't ruin the movie for me, but that's really the only humor that just kind of yeah. No, eh. that's a good point. Okay, so let's so what go are we from talking about? 
Well, we're going to go from the movie with no lightsaber duels into our top three, bottom three lightsaber duels. So for those of you who are first-time listeners to the show, the way this works is we have three of our top favorite and three of our least favorite uh, bat lightsaber battles that we're going to talk about today. And guys, since you are the special guest, do you want to start with your top or with your bottom? I'm, I'm a power bottom all the way. Yeah, you do tend to go that way. <laughs> I... I, I generate all my power from the bottom. From the ah. bottom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so am uh, I going first? Am I, am I just doing all of these at go. once? No, no. Just go, We'll go one at a time. We'll go three, two, one. And then three, two, one. So your, your least, least favorite lightsaber battle. Like your least? definite worst. And, okay, so... I know what you're obviously, ask. ask it. The, the, no, I'm not asking. I'm just clarifying something. Okay. Like, obviously, this is like you know my opinions on Attack the Clone. Yeah. Like, even my least favorite Star Wars movie is one of my favorite movies. So yeah, just like my least just favorite, like my babies. least favorite just like favorite babies fight babies. is like yeah. I'll still watch that exactly any day of the week. Um. Now, okay, are we talking like? technically like visually how impressive it is to watch or whatever think, your parameters you want to put on it are i think just we, overall which one we get to make up the, the rules most, as we go yeah enjoy the most enjoy the least all right uh so for my least favorite i i want to say luke versus the shadow vader on dagobah but i don't even know if you would consider that like an actual lightsaber fight are you? You're the one picking, so are you considering yeah. it? Yeah, okay, so that's my least favorite. That might favorite. be your least favorite. It's like, you know, the the scene in general is very powerful, you know, it, it shows, like, how Luke The fight is kind of dumb, though. And, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, eh. You know what's funny is that moment never really hit me until I got, like, older. Like, when I was a kid watching it, and I saw, it was just like, oh, okay, so that's Luke's face in there. So, yeah, 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 yeah. and I never, like, I understood that the Force was warning him that he could become Vader, but I just didn't care. And maybe it's because I saw all of them at the same time, and so I knew already. But now, it here, also took me a while. To, here's like, a question. Really grasp. Because I really that. liked that scene when I was real young, but you're a little, you're uh, just a few years younger than us. Not yeah. that much younger. Did you see all six of them sort of soon together? Um, uh, no, I got into the original trilogy well before. Okay. Uh, okay. So you're similar trilogy. to us in that regard. Yeah. 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 So that so, scene could have had an impact, but just happened to not. Yeah. And I mean, but like, I also knew that Luke, you know, was the good guy and the hero and was going to win at the end of the day with everything, even though I didn't know exactly how. So I think the, the weight of that situation was kind of taken away. I feel you. I feel you. So, okay. Uh, no, definitely a good pick. All right, Fode, you're up. What's your number My three? My least favorite lightsaber battle. This is real tough, actually. Yeah, it is. It's really tough. You know, I'm actually going to go with something that I, I like, but I, I'm kind of mad at myself for liking, so this is the one I'm going to pick. Um, I like it because it shows the true power of the characters present there. Um, but the the battle between Sidious and Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Ogden Polar, and Size Eighteen. 
It's treason, then. You know, like... Okay. In my bottom three is the duel, um... Well, hold on. Okay, we'll get there, but... Spoiler alert! I know, I know, but I wanted... I, I didn't want to pick this one. I'm really contentious about this one. Because I like the fact that it shows how powerful both Mace Windu and Darth Sidious are. Okay? So as a, as a lightsaber wielder, Darth Sidious never enjoyed igniting his lightsaber. It wasn't his preferred method of combat. His preferred method of combat was force I, powers and lightning and things like that. I disagree. I think I, I he think did how, enjoy yeah. it. Like, I when, don't. That's when, why he kept he's, one hidden in his statue. When he's fighting like uh, Maul and Savage and he goes and just ignites both his lightsabers, like... He's having a ball. I don't think he's enjoying the lightsaber battle. I think he's enjoying messing with Maul. I don't know. I... So okay, so let me let me clarify because I I think I understand what you're getting at. Are you saying that like it's the power over someone that he enjoys, not the actual fight? Yeah, itself? exactly. Exactly. He okay, knows. So not... He okay. So in the seven forms of lightsaber combat, Darth Sidious is the master of form four which is a taru which is completely offensive so when you see this duel you see that he's using complete offense he shanks three masters right there three council masters right kid fisto's on the council i believe mm -hmm. okay so three council masters just boom out of there and and these guys are masters of their forms okay so he um immediately shanks him and the only person who can stand against him is mace windu and anakin skywalker and he knows that anakin skywalker can stand against him which is to in my opinion when anakin doesn't walk through the door of his office that's the moment he goes oh i've won you guys are toast yeah yeah i i would agree so, one so thing I, I like to... it, but I, I hate that I like it because he shanks him so quickly. I wish it was a long, drawn-out battle. It's a scene I prefer more to read than watch. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, sorry, Brandon, yeah. I cut you off, brother. No, 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 I was just going to say, you know, you were talking about lightsaber dueling, and I meant to uh, say this earlier in the show, but you actually teach Kenpo, which is the basis of um, how lightsaber dueling, or the, the martial art that lightsaber dueling was crafted out of. So, uh, Ken, uh, right. okay. Uh, Am I correct in that? So, partially. Okay, so let me put it okay. to you this way. Quickly. Let me put it to you quickly. Because what you should really do is go over to San Diego Sabres radio podcast and listen to Eric talk about it. Um, but I do teach all seven forms of lightsaber dueling, and right now I don't teach all seven because my students aren't ready for all seven. But each form has like a basis of swordplay or martial arts that they're based on. Now, my form is Kenpo, but Kendo, which is samurai sword sparring or, or wooden samurai sword sparring, um, is the basis for form one and five, okay, in all seven forms. So, Kenpo, which is empty-handed, no weapons whatsoever, has a lot of counter-attacking, which, again, is the basis for form five, which is Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, um, respectively, I should say, their main forms. Um, Bede, you know a lot about the lore of lightsaber dueling. So, like, from an outsider, like, you're not a martial artist. What would you say is an easy way to kind of wrap your head around all seven forms? 
Because you, you have a pretty good grasp on the forms of lightsaber dueling without knowing anything about martial arts. How did you kind of figure that out? Reading. So, like, <laughs> what would you... Re- there you like, go, kid. Reading solves all your problems. No, what would you turn people on to as far as, like, if you want to know about the martial arts of Star Wars? What would you turn people on to from an outsider's perspective? The Jedi Path. Oh, that's a good... That's yeah, a good. Jedi's that's a really good one. Um, Wikipedia has stuff, but you, have, you gotta go canon legend. So... This is a long answer for my third favorite, but <laughs> that duel has both good things and bad things. I just happen to wish it was a longer duel. This well, is going to be a long episode at this rate. Who cares, man? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to shorten it up right here because, uh, Fode, you are correct. Mace Windu versus Palpatine is my number three as well. Oh, yours as well? Okay. Yeah. I just... And you have martial experience. I do, and I just don't like... I mean, okay... So, I think the intention of this was really good, and the idea of making Palpatine look, like, super strong by just having him destroy multiple Jedi in seconds was a good idea, but it just looks, like, it looks terrible. It does look bad. It's so bad, and I call it Batman fighting, you know, like, all the... From the the 60s Batman with uh, Adam West? they all come at him one at a time, you know? They don't all come at him at the same time. And if they all came at him at the same time, they would just overwhelm him and beat Batman. And it's the same thing here. Like, you've you got can't a couple beat Batman. Of... Well, that's true. But you got a couple... <laughs> you have a couple Jedi just standing there as Palpatine stabs their friends, you know, their co-workers, <laughs> right in the back. I mean, dude, turn on your lights. Like, we've seen how quickly a Jedi can turn on his lightsaber yes. and how close he can get. You know, like if we're talking martial arts, there is a technique in lightsaber dueling where you turn your lightsaber off then back on to catch your opponent off guard. So kind of like Kylo Ren in Last Jedi. Oh yeah, 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 just like that. Yeah. Okay. But but to be but to be uh, congruent with the duel we're talking about, like right, right, right. They could have turned their lightsaber on it like that, and with the force. Think about Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi when he throws his lightsaber at Luke on the scaffolding. Like, he turned his lightsaber off with the Force. Yeah, no, I mean, and if you look at Anakin in Attack of the Clones when he goes into Padme's bedroom and slices the little worm things off of her. The I mean, yes, the Cahoons. It's showing, like, in Attack of the Clones, I think he's supposed to be being shown as, like, a regular Jedi. It's not till Revenge of the Sith that he's really supposed to be something super special. Mm, and that's a good point. He he like has mastery over his blade. And he definitely knows, does. From an early time, he definitely does. Right? And so you would have to imagine that a master could, you know, if three of them went at him at the same time, done. There you go. Galaxy saved. Everybody have a good night. I mean, good night, Chief. Good night, Chief. <laughs> good night, Chief. So, uh, I don't really have much more to say about that. Do you guys? No, that's good. Number two. Right. Number. Let's two jump worst. into our number two. Our number, number two, two words. words. You're up. Uh, so th- this might be a bit contentious. It's something I really enjoyed the first time I saw it, but upon repeated viewings, just kind of, I don't know. It's uh. Yoda Dooku. Master Yoda. Count Dooku. You have interfered with our affairs for the last time. Oh, in Attack of the Clones. Like, I I remember 
you know, that moment where Yoda, like, pushes aside his cloak, uses the force to call his lightsaber to his hand, assumes the position, I was like, that's awesome. But then, I don't know, now I watch it, and I'm like, did I really ever need to see Yoda use a lightsaber? Like, it, it, it just strikes me as something that's more fan service than anything I really Well, here's the real see. question. Does it matter if you need to? You got to. I think so. I'm I, with that's you. That's a on weird this, question. It, it is a weird question, which is why I'm changing the subject. <laughs> I'm with beat on this one, though. Like, really? I, Don't you? To lie. an extent. To an extent. I think we did need to see him with his lightsaber. I but think I'm going to so come too. back to that for a minute. I, I'm going to come back. I could have taken just the Palpatine Yoda fight. Okay, okay, okay. Keep yeah. going. Okay. Keep I think going. I think one if it had just been the Palpatine uh Sidious fight, it would have been a lot more powerful. That That's battle fair. would have been That's a lot fair. more powerful. That's fair. I also think it's really important that in Empire Strikes Back we don't see Yoda training Luke with a lightsaber. He mm-hmm. doesn't train Luke with a lightsaber at all. So I mean, I, that's in, intended to show, I think, the difference between how he's training the Jedi of old and the, you know, the Jedi of new. And I agree with that. So I think, I think the intention was, you know, to show that not just that Yoda uses his lightsaber on special occasions, but that he uses it kind of whenever. But then again, that kind of is a special situation. So it's just, it's like the message isn't very clear that they're trying to send, and so. I'm with you on that one. Actually, I'm going to come back to that one later, even though I've already said all this about it. But yeah, I, I'm That's not a huge funny. fan. I do really like that duel. That might be in my top three. So let me go bottom number two. I'm going to go back to uh, this one's another weird one because it, I should love it, but the from Tartakovsky's Clone Wars in 2003, the final episode where Grievous duels everybody on Hypori. That's actually my second least favorite lightsaber duel. It's not a duel. It's a multi-Jedi Master against Grievous battle. But I think it's a great way to introduce the character of Grievous as being this indomitable like presence. However, it's too indomitable. It's too Terminator. It's too Thanos with all well, of that, the Infinity Stones. That Tartakovsky Clone Wars was pretty much all like that. Like Mace it, Windu on Dantooine. Like it, it was all just a little yes, bit yeah, extra. Yes. But he for just, me. He like, punches droids in the face. No, you're yeah. so right. But for me at the time, that introduction of Grievous was like. I expected more of Grievous later. And I feel like it set us up for a Grievous that we didn't get later. Make sense? I think that's fair. Because I'm kind of like the reverse. I liked Grievous before seeing the Tartakovsky series because I just recently watched it. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of... I know he's not the best character, but I've always kind of liked his design. And right, right, right. It just looks cool. And so... Then seeing it in the Tartakovsky one, I was like, okay, like, I could see why people aren't that, you know, into him. Because he does look... Like you said, almost Thanos-esque. Like, just really, really powerful. OP for sure. Yeah, for sure. In that one episode, later on, I like him more in the Tartakovsky stuff. 
But I think in that one episode, he just kind of rubs me the wrong way. That's all. Yeah, I can see that. So my number two uh, of my least favorite is Maul versus Qui-Gon on Tatooine. Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. Interesting. I think technically, I think it's a good fight. I just think it was kind of pointless. Mm. Um, I think that revealing Maul as a great duelist would have been better served if the first time we see him fight is on Naboo. And the first time you see him pull that lightsaber out is when he's showing the double blades. Right, 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 right. On another note, I really don't think they should have shown that in the trailer. And I don't think they should have shown Yoda pulling his lightsaber in the trailer. I think you just killed some moments there, and that would never, ever happen in this day and age. With I tend to agree with you in that yeah, regard. I tend to agree with you. I would agree with that as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's one you just, like, you let word of mouth spread. that Like, oh, my God, there's a double-bladed lightsaber, and nobody knows what it is until they go see. You do have to sell toys, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you can release them after. You have them in production before. In 99, it's not going to sneak out, you know, if toy no, production. No, you're right. The internet was not what it is now by yeah, any stretch. So, I just think they missed a big opportunity. But I think if you had, like, something where you had some assassin droids or something of that nature coming behind Maul to attack Qui-Gon, and you just have Maul circling like a predator Maybe the whole Qui-Gon, time. Maybe Qui-Gon, like, uh, deflecting blaster bolts and cutting the droids apart. Yeah, and then Maul is just circling the whole time like like a predator, and you That's think he's gonna strike, assessment. and maybe just as he jumps, Qui Gon and, and you know pulls Anakin on to the to the ship or whatever, and you think you're gonna get it, and it's just a little little bit of a tease. So that one's actually I was considering it for my number three top. So we'll talk about mm. that later. All right. Um, I have a reason. I don't know if it made it yet. I still have to think about it. Bead. You want to go to number one bottom? I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Because this is the one you definitely still kind of like, right? Like, this is the I one mean, that's I not like that them bad. All. Of course, of course. It's Star Wars. Come on. I don't know. I might have to pass and come back. Come back to you? All right, Brandon, why don't we go to you? Number one right. least favorite. My number one least favorite is the whole Attack of the Clones end part. Uh, with Obi-Wan and Anakin versus Dooku and Yoda versus Dooku, uh. just the whole thing. I mean, we talked a bit about it, but this battle is just boring. It it doesn't really tell a story I care about, and it doesn't really feel like there's anything at stake. I mean, you kind of know the war is going to continue on. Like, even the first time viewing it, you know they're not going to end the war right then. It just It's Star Wars. Like, of course there's going to be wars. And like I said earlier, I think it takes away from seeing Yoda pull out his lightsaber in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I I think Yoda should have been handled completely as the inverse of Palpatine. And we don't see Palpatine pull his blade out until, I mean, if we're looking at the movies, until Revenge of the Sith. That's true. And I think Yoda should have been kind of the same way. That's, because then, that's fair. I mean, because then if you look at it in the original trilogy, you have Empire Strikes Back, you get a lot of Yoda and a little bit of Palpatine. And in Return of the Jedi, you get a little bit of Yoda and a lot of Palpatine. So I kind of feel like they, you know, and being the the masters and being the heads of their respective religions or organizations or whatever you want to refer to them as, uh, I, I think it automatically sets them up as kind of the the yin and the yang. I just feel like they missed an opportunity, and just overall, the the, the dueling's not that great. 
Uh, that's true. The dueling in that part is, as far as actual sword fighting, not that interesting. And, like, Duel of the Fates tells a story. It like, does Battle tell of the... a story, that's true. Battle of the Heroes tells a story. Yoda vs. Palpatine tells a story. Obi-Wan versus City or versus Grievous, maybe not as much, but you can kind of give that one a pass because Grievous is not technically a Jedi. Oh, we're going to come back to that for sure because oh, I know okay. that's in one of our top threes, at least one okay. of our top threes. But, I mean, everything else, every other time you have a lightsaber duel in in the cinematic Star Wars, it tells a story yeah, except yeah, yeah. for that one. It just, yeah. I think it's supposed to show Anakin like as being arrogant, you know, because he rushes in. But then immediately after that, he's standing with a former Jedi master who was supposed to be one of the greatest duelists of all time. It's like, well, where's the consequence for him rushing in? Like, he's literally right back where he started. And he's not learning from his arrogance, which is maybe part of the problem is that Mm. he doesn't learn from his arrogance. Okay. Here's my number one. Go for it. It crushes me every time. Ayla Sakura on um, Felucia. It's not a lightsaber duel. But uh, it's yeah. A, you... It's a lightsaber moment. She's holding a lightsaber at the time. Okay. <laughs> we are stretching the rules on this episode. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up is because I feel like it should have been more of a moment. It was one of those things where, like, oh, they caught her by surprise and shot her in the back. But in Clone Wars, we're led, and and in the old Dark Horse comic books, we're led to assume that Aayla Secor is one of the top lightsaber practitioners in the whole order. She's supposed to be amazing with a lightsaber. See, I did not know this. Okay, so I believe Form 6 is her main form, but somebody might know better than I. Um, Form 6 is like the jack-of-all-trades form. So she had a little bit of everything in her training, and her trainer was Quinlan Voss. Her master was Quinlan Voss. So she had quite a bit of like experience. And if she had ha- even had like the slightest inkling through the force that the clones were going to turn on her, she would have cut all their heads off in an instant. For me, that moment is like, oh, that character would not have done that. I just feel like George Lucas kind of took a character that he saw in the comic books and went, let's put him here. Whereas people who actually knew that character at that time were thinking like, oh man, she was so good at like everything. Like she was as good at as Anakin Skywalker at using a lightsaber in the comic books. I feel like that's a moment that George was really, like, just showing off his visual storytelling. I agree. I just wish it was a different Jedi, maybe. Yeah. Or or maybe that Aayla Sakura would have cut a few clones down, sort of like Zet Jukasa did on Coruscant, uh, defending yeah. Bail Organa. Maybe just cut a few down before she gets shanked? That's fair. I mean, that's fair. I... I wish the whole Order 66 thing was dragged out a little bit more. A little bit longer, yeah. Like, one, even, maybe 60 seconds. Yeah, and just maybe have some Jedi strike down some clones, but just see more Jedi yeah. get strike down, you know? 66 and, seconds. Let's just get crazy. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> that sounds like the perfect amount. But B, did you think of your number one worst? I'm... I'm not happy with it. Okay, go for it, though. But 
Because it might spark something interesting. Uh, Ray and Finn versus Kylo Ren. I don't disagree. Oh, oh. Really? Oh, now I, I want that. you two to go at it. I, like, the scene is powerful. I'm going to listen and get another beer. You keep talking uh, to mothers. It, I don't know. And, okay, so the, the criteria I'm going on here is just, like, just get me one. IPA. Um, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm going on how much I actually enjoy the fight. Okay. Not necessarily the, you know, emotional resonance surrounding the fight. With the exception, because if I was going strictly by that, I guess, uh, then it would have to be Obi-Wan versus Vader on the Death Star. But yeah, that's pretty that, easy. That, easy that moment just, like, it kills me every time. Especially every time, like, I see an episode of The Clone Wars and get, like, a better sense of their relationship and how tragic that moment is. Like, I... And I, I think I it kind of gets a... It gets a pass, too, because, I mean, it's the original. Yeah. But, I don't know. Like, there are certain moments that I really like, you know, when Ray calls the lightsaber to her hand and it just goes flying past Kylo Ren. Like, that's really cool, but I don't know. The the whole thing just doesn't quite... Like, I don't get that feeling that I get when I'm watching, like, Obi-Wan versus Anakin on Moose Bar. Or, or to your point, yeah. even Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader on yeah. the Death Star. It, it's still a more poignant moment, regardless of the actual quality of sword work. Right. Now, do you think maybe as the story goes on and we get more of the sequel trilogy, you know, whatever happens in episode nine and, you know, things that happen in the expanded universe around the sequel trilogy, could it change? Oh, or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think That's, it did. I think, you know, I, the, against the Praetorian Guards is one. I mean, we'll get there, but that's in my top three for sure. Yeah, that, that was really awesome. <laughs> it's like but, amazing. Um, you know, I I have this conversation with a lot of people, you know, they'll come up to me like, oh, you know, I didn't like blah, blah, blah about The Last Jedi. And I always say to them, it's like, listen, we, we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle That's yet. That's right. Like, we, yes. something could happen in Episode Nine that is going to make this thing you didn't like in The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens just make complete sense. Of course. And it's like, oh, that's why they did that. It's brilliant. Right. So, it's like, you know, sometimes you have to reserve judgment until you have the, the full picture. Cut a little know? slack to the people yeah. who are... I mean, honestly, like, not to be preachy, but these guys, these people who make these Star Wars movies are not not working hard. They're working really hard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, and it's crazy. There's There's, like, this faulty idea out there that they had absolutely zero direction in anything that they yes, were doing. that they're flying by the seat of their story-driven yeah. pants. Like, okay, one, first of all, if you sit in the camp that thinks that George Lucas had everything figured out going into the original trilogy... <laughs> he was very clearly just making it yeah. up as he went like, along. Look at his interviews. Like, he has changed his stories so many times. So correct. <laughs> so, so correct. So, the idea that any creator has everything all figured out going into something oh. is... <laughs> the camera keeps jumping back and forth. Um, <laughs> it, it's just a ridiculous idea, but 
to hold them to this standard that you wouldn't hold any other creator to. Not just movie maker, because they're making Star Wars. They are held to a different standard. But you would not hold any other... Like, an artist, when they sit there and they start painting, they don't have an... They may have an inkling of this, I'm going to paint a dog, you know, or whatever. But you don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know what you... It turns out a bunch of dogs playing poker. Right, Yes, and and it's legendary. (laughs) And you never have to paint again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I... Are we ready to jump into top three from there? Yeah, I'm, let's do it. I'm going to jump in with my number three because okay. it's Ray versus Kylo in the forest on Starkiller. Oh, interesting. Okay. Tell yeah, us so, why you like it then. So I I love it for all the reasons that uh, that Bede said he wasn't cons- you know going to talk about, which is all the emotional moments. Oh, you um, think it is more emotional? Yeah, I, I think it is. And I think... One, it's kind of a return to really telling a story with a lightsaber duel. Okay, um, that's fair. I, yeah, I like that. I think, I think while the prequels do have stories, you know, the stories don't have as much weight, and except for maybe Battle of the Heroes. Um, every other one, it's like, yeah, that was a really good lightsaber battle, but it doesn't have the emotional weight um, of the original trilogy, whereas this one seems to have that weight. Like, it feels like everything is on the line here as yeah. the planet is breaking apart. Um, and then I think you have Finn, who is a cowardly lion, you know, like character, starts to really stand for something. You have Rey taking a hold of her destiny. And honestly, like, just that moment when Rey catches the lightsaber and Burning Homestead plays is yeah. one of my favorite Star Wars moments, period. Yeah, yeah. No, but you're not wrong about that moment. I I think the, the thing that kind of takes it over the line for me is how Ben Solo, because he doesn't have his mask on, so I consider him Ben Solo, is beating himself to try to make that pain. I love that color. part. I you love see... that part. Ben! Like, I, I, the first time I saw it, I didn't get it. I'm like, why is he hitting himself? But I didn't see the blood that was kind of coming out of him until I saw it, you know, on the snow. And it didn't click for me that he was just trying to. So I'm like, what? That's kind of dumb. Embrace like, it, right? Embrace that yeah. anger. He had to, yes. And and not just that, but he just killed his father. Yes. And he still has to try to make himself angrier. Like it, it shows how desperately he's clinging to the dark side. Yes. I like that. So. And it, it foreshadows the end of The Last Jedi where he finds like the dice on the floor. Um, when they storm the base on Crate, the First Order finally ends up storming the base on Crate, and the um, Resistance has already escaped. And he picks up those dice, and you're like, he still can't can't catch a break. Yes, and oh God, I wish I remember who it was. Um, pointed it out on Twitter with some stills of Kylo Ren that the light is constantly shining on Kylo. Oh, like, interesting. In, I'll have to go back in, and watch those movies now. In The Force Awakens, the only, like, when he's, you know, standing on the catwalk with, with Han, the only light is shining directly on his back. Um, and then in that moment in The Last Jedi, when he's kneeling down, the light is shining directly onto his back. Wow. Yeah, it kind of blew my mind, and I really wish I could remember. If, if, if you're listening to this episode and that was you that posted it, like, please... Yeah, at me let, and let, let me know because I want to. I want to, you know, 
retweet and, and be able to share that and give you credit because um, it's definitely not my idea, but it is something that like really made me sit back and just go, whoa. That is pretty so, interesting. So yeah, and and like the so for Ray, the moment we first met Ray, like I knew I was gonna like her right away. I I just think her introduction was perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, just that first five minutes of just complete silence. Oh my god! And is, the, the way she pops up with those goggles and the wrapping yeah. on her face, it's just great. So like right away, I knew I was gonna like her. I wasn't sold on Kylo until that moment in the forest, and then seeing like. I started to get, uh, I started to like him, you know, when he was talking to Darth Vader's helmet, but I was still like, this could be kind of cheesy. And then that moment when he starts to beat himself and I'm like, he's just clinging desperately to the dark side. Anything he like, can grab. It's, it's like nothing we've seen before. Like Vader wasn't clinging to anything. Did you, you know? read the legacy of force legacy of the force legends series? No, I haven't books. gotten there yet. Okay, that's a conversation you can, I mean, for another feel, time. Feel free to spoil it. I mean, it's 20 I, years I mean, old, so I'm I not mean, gonna feel bad. It, it's it's not quite 20 years old. You're gonna date us now, but uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it came out about the time we graduated high school, so maybe like 12, 13 years ago. And um, I've had enough time to read it, so yes, it's nine <laughs> books. But Darth Kydus, who's Jason Solo, right? That is the character of Kylo Ren. And over the course of nine books, you start to get to that point where, like, Darth Kydus, a.k.a. Ben Solo or Kylo Ren, really, um, starts, like, trying to grasp for any sort of darkness he can find. Because he's starting to be like, I made mistakes. I've really not done the right thing. I'm, like, this whole Sith thing is a bad thing. But, like, Kylo Ren... He's sort of like caught in a lie, and he now he has to keep lying. Yeah, so, no, I, I think you're you got a great point there, and I, I think, I think that's a really great point. He's caught in a lie, and he's got to just keep going with it. Yeah, yeah that's said yeah. perfectly. And I think it's interesting that like we have this new character who, with the marketing and everything on the Force Awakens, I think a lot of people were like, okay, well here comes Vader light, but really <laughs> he's, he's the reverse of Vader. Like, Vader is... Pulled to the dark. Is pulled to the darkness, but Anakin is clinging to the light, trying to pull him back, you know? And Kylo Ben is the exact reverse. So, I, I'm wonder, excited like, to see. I wonder if in either Episode Nine or just in some other sort of media where, like, I want to see Anakin Skywalker's Force Ghost talking to Ben Solo. I want to see, yeah, I, I want to see something where we get, like, an explanation that Kylo thought Anakin was talking to him, but it was Snoke the whole time. Maybe, like, a false communal yeah, situation. like, so, Force Ghosts intrigue me a lot, so I've been thinking about them a lot, mm -hmm. and I, I, I think there's got to be, what I really think happens is the force really decides the moments that they get to come back as force ghosts. Like, I don't think Yoda was just chilling there with Luke going like, hey, here's how you should train Jedi, because I don't think he would have failed that way. I think they, they, they come in, the, in these moments of bliss or in need when the force is like, you need that little push. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like your parents, you know, they let you make mistakes until you're about to make that one big mistake that's going to ruin everything for you, and then they're and like, maybe they put the you brakes shouldn't. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
So I think that, you know, it's very plausible if this theory, you know, has any merit, which I don't know if it does, that Anakin has not spoken to Ben before, that he hasn't had that connection because huh. Ben has not reached that level of force ability. And maybe that's what we see in in nine. And maybe it's kind of like his lightsaber. It's a broken image. And Ooh. so he gets like a mixed message from Anakin or from Luke even. And because I, so my, my other theory with the, the blade thing. So since we're talking lightsabers, this kind of fits the, you know, you know, that Kylo's crystal is cracked, right? Yes. 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 So, uh, you know, and, and the Sith have to make it bleed or the Darksiders have to make it bleed. You know, I, I really think that was the one out of his blue saber, um, yes. which yes. he cracked himself. So, I agree. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just think there's there's that connection there. Um, and you could have a really powerful moment where you have him, like, looking down at his blade that is broken. And you see he sees the Force Ghost that is broken. And I, th I think there's just a lot of possibility to do some really cool visual stuff that I'm not smart enough to figure out. Well, that's why they pay other people, right? <laughs> that's very true. Uh, and we're on a free podcast. But, you know, you're, you're really, like you're sort of hitting some chords that I haven't plucked before. Um, and I can see beads wheels turning in his mind a little bit as you're talking about it. Like I know legacy of the force, those nine books were really important to both bead and myself because they gave us that, like that Kylo Ren character that we didn't know we needed. But now that we have that Kylo Ren character in real canon, it's one of those things where, where you go like, um, how many facets to this character can I discover? And between the dark side and the light side, Kylo Ren alone has a, a thousand things you can discover. And Rey herself, between the dark side and the light side, has a thousand things you can discover. Just watching The Last Jedi alone, you see Luke tell her that the dark side is speaking to her. That the dark yeah. side wants her. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes a strong Star Wars character. Mm. I mean, I think mm. Interesting. I think that's why Luke works so well. You know, he's a very basic hero, but he's also... Until you get layers. to Return of the Jedi. Right. And, like, the beginning of Return of the Jedi... He's a backslider. Yes, but I did not even really realize that until I was maybe 19 or 20. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching mm -hmm. these movies mm -hmm. since I was, like, six. It I was agree. just... It was Luke being BA, you know, like right, right, all right, 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 right. Luke's going in Taking to save care his of business. Yes, yeah, and then shows he... up on screen wearing all black, comes in, force chokes a couple Gamorreans. You feel like he's Wesley Snipes' blade, right? Wipes out a bunch yeah. of Jabba's skiff guards. Jabba, this is your last chance. Free us or die. It can't get any better. Yeah, but. The galaxy is like, ooh, that's not the dude you need in your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, all right, bro. Let's uh, let's let let's kind of bring it back in to here. <laughs> You're getting a little crazy out there. For so, me. so right. anyways, B, why don't you go to your number three now? Favorite. Oh, really? That's your number three. Yep. Obi Wan, Qui Gon, Darth Maul. Boom. That's awesome. Uh, that, That's by awesome. the way, is the first Star Wars t-shirt I ever owned. My wife framed it for me. That is so cool. I bought it in 1998. 
That is definitely December a 1998, 1998 shirt. I never knew that was a t-shirt. Yeah, it's a t-shirt framed up. She framed it like it's a baseball jersey for me. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I've got uh, another one that I want to frame too, but that one's dope. Uh, okay, like, B, tell us about do, it, man. Do, do I even really need to? Yeah, of course. It's Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. But what about it makes it your third favorite, not your first or second favorite? Uh... Because I like my first and second favorite better. <laughs> Fair. That's that is a very good Fair. answer. Um, give us something you absolutely can't do without then, or something that like definitely keeps it in your top three. Uh, it it's you and McGregor shouting no when Qui-Gon gets stabbed. Oh, the I chest. Oh, like, I love that. That that, <laughs> that just like oh. it it gets me like oh. deep down in my plums. I know, every man. Time. I know. Uh, I fell deep in love with Qui Gon way before the movie even came out, though. I you know like I one of my favorite things in Star Wars is the relationship between Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi, and. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Vader-Ben Kenobi fight on the Death Star where, like, you know, I read all this supplemental material, get, like, a better sense of, like, their relationship. Right. And then every time I watch that fight and, you know, Darth Maul just clocks Qui-Gon under the chin, spins around, stabs Obi-Wan's him through. Helpless. And, helpless. Yeah, he's, he's stuck there behind the ray shields and he wants nothing more. Like, with every fiber of his being, he wants to be one foot further to Darth in Maul. front of him yeah. than he is. And he, he can't. And it, it just, I don't know, it, it, it kills me. It all, Again, we talk about foreshadowing, but it also foreshadows the way that Anakin treats every fight. Like, I want to be one foot closer to this thing I'm trying to destroy or trying to save the galaxy from. And yeah. I just can't get there. Also, just the... I I don't want to use the word fury, but the just the energy he comes out with well, once there's ray shields it's go down. It's form four, the aggression form. He's using aggression. Yeah, he's like but in he's, there. He, he wasn't fighting like that the whole rest of the No, fight. you're right. Oh, no, you're right. Like, he it comes was out pretty there conservative. And he, he is... Ready to go, man. Yeah. And he he's taken it to Darth Maul. Yeah. And physically speaking, like, that's one of the best sequences of actual sword fighting in the whole seven, eight movies. Cuts his lightsaber in half, gives that <sighs> kick to the chest. I know, man. And the backflip you, you, moment. You can see that like that moment where Darth Maul is kinda like Oh, oh crap. Okay. Uh Kind of thought I killed a master, and this part was going to be right. easy. Yeah, yeah this might was going to be easy, right? This might not be as easy as I thought. And you think to yourself, like, this sets you up for all of the moments where Darth Maul appears back in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. This sets you up for those moments where Darth Maul appears in Rebels. And who knows what's going to happen out of Darth Maul's spoiler alert appearance in Solo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and so. I think that that moment at the end that you're talking about is a major factor in why Obi-Wan wasn't a good teacher to Anakin. Really? Because he he got that aggression and came and saw how close he came to losing everything. Mm-hmm. Wait, be real specific. Do you think so, Obi-Wan was a bad teacher to Anakin? Mm, 
I don't think he was a bad teacher to Anakin. I think he was an inadequate teacher to he, Anakin. He was ill-prepared. Ill-prepared. Yes. Ooh, okay. Keep going, Brandon. He was... He was... He wasn't ready. I, I don't think he was ready. I think He was that definitely moment, not ready. I agree 100% with that. That moment right there where he is speaking in anger... Or, excuse me, fighting in anger really shows that. You know, like, I mean, it's a very human thing to do, and it shows the fallacy of, of any teacher. Like, we all have emotion, and where the Jedi go wrong is where they try to separate that emotion. I you agree know? with you on that. And yeah. it... It's like it's like me, like my fiance and I were just talking about this the other day. She, you know, like part of the reason I am a great teacher is because I look at my students as like my actual children. And part of the thing I need to work on as a teacher is I look at my students as my children. I you know, I and you get that, that as a teacher, right? So it's this weird like what qualifies good and bad as a teacher, you know, and it, it kind of depends on the teacher student relationship. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, like Beat said, he was he was ill prepared. Um, and I think that moment there where he's fighting out of anger instead of centering himself as Qui-Gon would have wanted him instead of focusing his energies really shows why he's not ready for that is because he's so quick to jump to conclusions. It's, it's funny that you say that about centering himself, because that's another one of my favorite things about that fight is. When the the ray shields separate, Qui Gon and Qui Gon yes. oh. just kneels down and starts meditating, and Darth Maul is just prowling back and forth. So I have a I have a Qui Gon Black series right up there, and I've been thinking real hard about putting Qui Gon in the position where he's centering himself. It like that that to me just encapsulates it's Qui Gon. That's Qui Gon, and Qui Gon yeah. is my oh, yeah. favorite Jedi character. If anybody like has never listened to Star Wars before, like Qui Gon is implicitly my favorite character that as, is as obi-wan uh, is mine yes that's honestly the best part of the whole fight is that that moment of tension oh, right there. absolutely and darth maul just smacking the end of his saber against that windshield yes. like taunting both of them like i'm gonna kill you and i'm gonna rob you of your master like it's in the next five minutes it, it's an amazing fight, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, lightsaber fights also telling a story. Yes, like 100%. There's, there's a lot more going on than the amazing acrobatics and, you know, martial arts stuff going on in Which that fight. there is plenty Which of. there is. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of emotional stuff that uh, I, I just love that scene, or that combination of scenes. So, Brandon, do you want to go next, or do you want me to go next? Why don't you go next? Okay, number three for me. I'm going to pick the fight, uh, and actually, it should probably be higher, but it is number three. I'm going to pick the fight between Kanan and the Grand Inquisitor as the Jedi Temple Guard in the Temple on Lethal. Oh, um, that's such a good was one. Was that Rebel How did I not... one? That was season two. Season two. Early season two, right? Pretty early. Early on. season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the episode where Ezra is communing with Master Yoda in one part of the temple. Ahsoka is communing with herself and Anakin in another part of the temple. Ugh. And Kanan ends up basically entering a dojo. Like, there's wooden and real lightsabers all over the walls. And he comes in and there's the Grand Inquisitor as a Jedi Temple guard. And he has to fight him, but also he has to, like talk to him like that's part of the fight is just playing the conversation that they have about 
it starts out very martial, like, oh, you favor form three, like Master Balaba favored in close quarters, which, by the way, is the form that made Obi-Wan the right choice to fight Grievous. So, like, this fight addresses not only the martial arts side of lightsaber fighting, but the emotional and philosophical side of lightsaber fighting, where the Grand Inquisitor, as the Temple Guard, is saying, like, basically it's Kanan's knighting ceremony. It is. Yeah, it's his it final. He, he's officially a knight. He becomes after officially that. a knight after that. Uh, it truly like, is his last trial as a Padawan. And he's what, like a, was that, a the, uh, trial of spirit. Trial of spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's and like it, the truest because it's a force vision knight. Exactly. Him. Literally the force knighting. He him. has to fight with physical with, lightsabers, but which, there's one that is really baller. It is. Like it's one thing oh. having Yoda, you know, knight you on the shoulder. It's another thing to have a force ghost, to have basically. The force, knight the force you. knight you. <laughs> like great job, dude. You and really again, back to you win the Jedi thing. <laughs> yeah. Back to foreshadowing, it gives you a deeper level of poignancy for his sacrifice in season four. Oh yeah. So for me, that fight, like, it's my least favorite of my favorites, but. It's so up there because uh, also he ignites two lightsabers at one point and one of them is red. Which, by the yeah. way, if you pay attention to Legends, Depa Balaba had a crimson colored lightsaber for was red. And then when the Kanan Marvel comic series came out, okay, they sort of retconned the Shatterpoint novel from Legends, but they still kept a lot of it. So they mentioned the planet Harun Kal, which Mace Windu's from. They mentioned that Depa Balaba turned to the dark side because she was studying Mace Windu's lightsaber form, Form 7, Fopid. And they also mentioned that she was coming back to the light side by studying the defensive form, Form 3. And they show her training Kanan in that form. So you go back to the comic books, you, re you watch the Rebels episode, you see all of this happen, and then Kanan gets knighted. It's almost a tear-jerking moment. Because you know now what he's gone through to reach this level of, I hate to use the word, but mastery. Like No, I, I think you're, you're right on point there. I mean, that's, I can't believe I didn't even consider any moments from Rebels. That just tells you how much these three really are in my top three. But yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're definitely right there. And I think that the whole moment just works. Like, there's... I usually like love like slash love the animation when it comes out. And I usually watch it like two times, you know, in the first week it's out and then I'll That's go back really and your visit Star it later. Wars, right? Animation yeah, yeah. your Star Wars. Like right now, yeah. I'm I'm kinda that, that's kind of my focal point. But that episode, I must have gone back and watched eight times during that season. It's a fun one. It, like, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. It's so like everything works there. And so, okay, I actually want to have y'all's opinion on this because I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody since I heard it. I don't remember. It might have been on San Diego Sabres. It might have been somewhere else. But somebody mentioned that the vision that Ezra has of Yoda in that Jedi Temple is Yoda doing a Force projection. Now, I always considered it a Force vision by Ezra, and they were just, you know, kind of touching minds, kind of like more like Kylo and... Explain, explain your perceived difference of those. So in in the Kylo and Ray thing, I think it's more 
they are communing. kind of communing. Yeah, it's more of a meeting in the middle thing. Okay. Whereas Luke is making himself corporeal. He's making himself as much there as he can be. I understand where you're coming from. Right. Well. So it's just that difference of like, am I just seeing this versus or is, is it this happening? A, is it an actual thing? Yeah. So okay. here, here's my theory: is I, th- I think it's some sort of hybrid of both. Because if you remember, you know, it, it's not like, uh, you know, Luke's force projection or Ray and Kylo's thing where, you know, they're they're in a real environment and just seeing the other person. With Ezra and Yoda, they're in like, you know, it's like space. Right. Yeah, right? they're basically in a star field. Yeah. Well, they're in the world between worlds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's... A combination of clearly, you know, with everything that's happened in Rebels, the Jedi Temple on Lothal is very—it's a very powerful nexus of the Force. Yes. So I, I think it's a combination of the Jedi Temple kind of and Yoda, you know, bonding. Okay. If if that makes sense, so it is yoda speaking to ezra but it's what ezra wants to hear or needs to hear not no uh, it's it's complicated like i i can't really figure out how to say this like that's why we're here man i i don't think it's a force projection like luke was doing i think it was the jedi temple being used as a conduit through which yoda was able to talk to ezra oh Interesting. So it was like all that energy was focused towards that, those visions that they were having. Yeah. Right. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I like I like that. I like that I a lot. I like that too. I, yeah. I, like I, a toll booth of the force almost. Yeah. It, like, yes. Sort of allocated what they needed to hear and see. Mm-hmm. Mm. This, this also, I like it because it supports my force ghost theory also. Just a little bit. <laughs> so, selfishly also, indulgent. You know... Like, Yoda is talking to Kanan, too, but Kanan's just hearing Yoda. Yes. And I think if it was, like, a forced projection, like Luke had done, Kanan would have also seen Yoda. doesn't Kanan... Kanan hears Yoda in season one, isn't it? When they go to the temple the first time? Because when they go to the temple the second time is the one with Ahsoka, where they have their three you, That's visions. definitely the second time, but you may be outside my league now. I may not remember well enough to, to confirm I think in season, I think in season one, both Kanan and Ezra hear Yoda's voice. Well, they definitely go to the temple in season right, one. Right, because it's when he gets his crystal. But I don't think he... I'm going to oh. have to do a Rebels. Ooh, I need to go back and watch now. Oh man, my life is so hard. I have to go back and rewatch Rebels. Dude, especially okay. season yeah. one, Brandon, the best season you're right. of all. So season in, one is amazing. In my head, it's I great. was, I was combining those two episodes. I was thinking Yoda was talking to Kanan while simultaneously talking to Ezra in like space. But I guess when Ezra was talking to Yoda, that was when Kanan was doing the right knighting ceremony. But I think vision thing. I think you're definitely onto something because I think in that season one episode, I would definitely say that Yoda is talking to both of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah I might agree with you there. Like they're I, they're shown simultaneously, so I would assume that they are supposed to be happening simultaneously. So I don't think you're you're off base there at all. I, I guess 
the the best way to put what I'm saying is that the Jedi Temple on Lothal acts as like a, a force receiver. Whereas right. like yeah. Yoda couldn't have like... communicated with them independently, but because they were at this temple, it kind of acted like a beacon almost mm-hmm. where he was able to commune with them from Dagobah. Master Yoda, you're here. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> Last time I couldn't see you. Ah, growing your abilities are, and with them, danger. All right, so jumping into my number two uh, is, and this one was actually hard to not put as my number one, but it, it'll make sense in a minute. Luke versus Vader in Return of the Jedi. Okay. This one is, for me, it's part emotional and part practical. Emotionally, the end of Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars, period. Really? Yes. Um, the So, but it's the whole thing that just works well all together. I think it's the ground battle, the space battle, and the duel that just all go so well together. Okay. Because strictly looking at it, there's not a lot of lightsaber dueling going on in, in this part. It's definitely um, chopped up. Whether there is or isn't, it's chopped yeah. up enough that it seems sparse. It seems sparse, which I think is part of is a major part of the intention. Because when Luke does strike out of aggression, you know we see how quickly it escalates and how much he is like Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's intentional. But just this is one moment where, like, no matter what I'm doing, if this is on the screen, I am sitting down and I'm paying attention. Interesting. Because every time I I feel something every time, and most of the time I learn something new about this moment. I definitely feel that the music puts it higher on the list of lightsaber duels. Like that oh, Luke sure. versus Vader music, the opera singing and the and the way that like they sustain some of those chords, and the way it mimics Battle Ooh. of the Heroes. Yeah, it's Duel really kind of tragic. It's very tragic, and um, it makes you wish that Luke had like a father. Yeah, I mean. The only well, thing and he it, knows about his father is that he has to sort of try to kill him. Well, and it shows you how close he's coming to becoming his father. Ooh. You know, and you got to think about Luke's character. Like, his motivation for going on this whole adventure is not to become a Jedi. No, it's to follow it's, in the footsteps of this thing yes. he has a, an idea of what his father really is. And then he finds out who his father really is by the way your father's the worst person the in the worst galaxy person. the worst like, not a great guy this dude no, sucks it, it, not <laughs> not not the best dad not winning dad of the year anytime soon and then the people that you looked to as fathers say hey you have to go kill the person you've always wanted to be Me. with yeah I understand you know that. Yep. like that's just a concoction for danger and we see how close he comes and then he throws the lightsaber away yeah there there is a lot of great stuff in that uh what you were saying about you know obi-wan and yoda being like yeah you you gotta kill vader luke's like well no like i i sense conflict in him like i i think uh you know i think i can bring him back and they're like no like he He's, he's pretty gone. He's pretty firmly entrenched in the dark side. Like yeah. you just gotta kill him. He's like, no, I'm but, gonna try to bring him back. 
but there are also just some great little cinematic uh, scenes in that. Like the the whole part where Luke is hiding from Vader. Yeah. Vader's oh. prowling around. He's like, oh, oh. your friends, your feelings for them are strong. Yes. Especially for sister. So you so have you a have sister. <laughs> Obi Wan's failure is now complete. But oh. during that scene when it oh when it God. shows Luke like sitting there, you'll notice like half of his face is in the light, light and half, half of his face is in the dark. Like it, it, perfectly. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's completely intentional. There there are just a lot of great little moments like but that. But then when he ignites scene. his lightsaber, the only source of light is his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Which shows well, you that he's using the weapon above all else. So this is actually like this is awesome because this whole thing I use to teach certain things in my classroom. So that That's moment That's really okay, let's be I, honest. I, I feel like I saw somebody do a panel about Yeah, let's be Star honest. Wars the whole reason we know each other is because well, Yeah. <laughs> you're Right, but I'm I'm talking about this moment came and talked about this. <laughs> but I don't think I brought the, the these points up is you know, that moment is really like the perfect example of how light and dark is used in storytelling. Uh-huh. You know, like if you're trying to, if you're just talking about as a trope itself, um, that moment you brought up is, is perfect, but it's actually interesting. Like we had to teach contradiction and I couldn't figure out how to really teach it in a way that would make kids give a crap about it. And then I thought about that moment with Luke when he ignites his lightsaber and the whole time he says, I'm not going to fight you, father. I'm not going to fight you, father. And then in the strictest sense of the term, he contradicts himself. Yes. You know, and and it continues on until he has seen himself or seen Vader in himself. You know, when he cuts his arm off and he sees uh, that same yes. robotic, you know, uh. and, and it's a very for for all the people who said, you know, that the Luke on Octu is not the Luke of Return of the Jedi. You're not looking at that moment close enough. I think you're spot on there. In I my think opinion. The Luke on Octo is as close to Return of the Jedi as he can get in the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, I think that the Luke that you see on Octo is more the Luke from Return of the Jedi than the Luke in between there ever was. Well, and... But we don't know yet, you know. Part of what makes Star Wars heroes special is they find the third way it's what anakin failed to do Ooh. anakin saw two choices and said i have to make one of two choices black and white no gray yeah luke saw a and b and he said i will take c ahsoka saw a and b and she said i will take c mm. you know and i think ray is going to be the same way um but we'll of course have to see there but i mean even luke in the last jedi you know it's like well your choice is to stay here and let your friends die or to go to crate and save them yeah. well not quite i'm gonna go how somewhere gonna in between work. there right exactly like i'll take a and a half and it it also parallels his decision on dagobah where it's like okay either stay here and finish training or go you know save your friends and yes. in that choice he was much like anakin in that he saw a and b and you know c is what happened but he wasn't really ready for it well no i like it was either rescue them or stay and he took rescue them. Yeah. Whereas and th- there, there could have been, you know, a C. Can I there. use this as my segue into number two? Well, is it your turn? We're kind of going out of order or on order. Do you want to go next? I do. 
Okay. Just I, I just don't want anybody to take mine. Okay. <laughs> I hope it's not the same one I'm about to say then. Well, we'll see. Let's go. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure you know what my number one is going to be. But my number two is, you know, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Mustafar. Oh, that's your number two? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. You go for it. Uh, I mean, it, it's like Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul. What even needs to be said? Yeah, no, there's a lot there. There's thick, thick content. Uh, and much like with the Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, Darth Maul fight, uh, it, it's the moment at the end that really just seals it for me. And it's after Obi-Wan uh, dismembers Anakin. Already lops his arms and legs Gives off. him the whole, uh, you were the chosen one. Right. It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not, not leave it, it in, in darkness. darkness. Right. Like, it, it's just so emotionally powerful for me. Like, it, and it's a testament to Ewan McGregor, once again. Oh, that yeah. He he just portrays the the anguish that Obi-Wan He became Obi-Wan Kenobi over the in, course of six or seven years, right? In that, mo- in that moment. And it's, again, another thing that is, like, the Clone Wars and comics and books and everything... All the adventures that Obi-Wan and Anakin were on and seeing how, you know, because they, they had the master-apprentice kind of uh, dynamic that slowly kind of shifted to, like, more of a brother thing as Anakin got older. Like, I think Obi-Wan was, you know, more of a, a father figure when Anakin was Deferential younger. almost. Um, but... You know, by by the time the Clone Wars rolls around, like they, I feel like they kind of see each other on the same page. That definitely makes that yeah. duel in Revenge of the Sith tough to swallow. Yeah, it, it well, it's devastating to me. And if you think about it, so I I wrote an article like way back on the father figures that failed Anakin, mm. and. My point mm-hmm. when it came to Obi-Wan was it wasn't until that moment where he had dismembered him and left him to die that he told him that he loved him. Yeah. Yeah, and I loved first, you. Right. The first time that a male father figure has told Anakin that he's loved. And how different would things have been if he had heard that before? Well, you know, you know let's go back to Tartakovsky for a moment. There's a moment in the very first or second episode of season two Tartakovsky where Anakin's about to get knighted. I believe it's episode one. And um, Obi-Wan and Anakin have like a moment where they, they're not really arguing, but they sort of snip at each other. And Anakin goes, as far as wisdom, you're no Qui-Gon Jinn. Which shows you that Qui-Gon was the first person to show him any sort of fatherliness. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan, for him, was like that extension of Qui-Gon. That like, well, you're not my dad, but you're the closest thing I can get to my dad who died when I was trying to save your lives on that yeah. control ship. So For me, this moment, um, it carries that Qui-Gon level of emotion, too, where... I mean, Qui-Gon is a lot of people's favorite character, not just mine. And we only got him for the one movie and a few snippets here and there. So to to get that feeling both in episode one when he dies and episode three when Obi-Wan sort of being him um, 
Yeah, I agree with you. It, it like it makes Anakin's fall feel more like your your son who disappoints you. I honestly the Obi Wan Anakin like dynamic and uh-huh. that whole scene uh-huh. hurts me much more than the Anakin Padme dynamic. Really? You know? Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Wow. Well, it's it like... certainly does hurt me in a in a different place because male to male, you have those relationships that you can't get from a female friend. Whereas a female to female relationship well, would be similar, I mean, right? Pa- Where like Padme wasn't. A female friend. No, she wasn't a friend. But... <laughs> yeah, she's a, they were a little more than friends. But you understand the the the, the well, direction like... I'm coming from where you have like a, a, like, Padme was his closest female relationship, but that is a different thing than your closest male relationship. Well, and yeah. Obi-Wan a and Anakin to it. were together for, what, 10 years before Anakin even saw Padme again? For the second time, that's 100% right. Menace. Yep, 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 yep. Well, and I think going to what you were saying about, like, the connection that we as the audience have with it is, like, the relationship between Anakin and Padme is not realistic. I mean, it's it, it's very old It's Hollywood. idealistic, it's for sure. It's idealistic, but it's not realistic. I, I agree Whereas, with that. You know, the, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin is something very real that we all yeah, can there, connect there's with. There's like, something deeply rooted in that relationship that i feel like a lot of people can identify with yeah absolutely so that's your number two that's my number two am i moving on to my number two you are okay you're on your number two just dropping a number two on the air just drop the number two so my number two i'm gonna go with it since we talked about it earlier i'm gonna go with it too my number two is gonna be the tatooine showdown and i'm looking at the episode one Uh. figures right now between Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, and Anakin diving hard into the sand. I love this duel because it is the moment that sets Anakin on the path to try and become the best Jedi he can be. He sees that Master Qui-Gon being sort of old, right? And sort of... um, like, anybody can tell that by The Phantom Menace, Qui-Gon is, is ready to sort of, like, stop being such a maverick Jedi. He's ready to sort of, like, chill out a little bit. He's ready to go into Jedi retirement. And... Yeah. Do you agree with that? No. Okay. Well, I think so. And at this moment, Anakin, who now sees Qui-Gon as, like, his Jesus, his savior... He's seen Qui-Gon as this person who saved him from this life of, like, yeah, I have to turn my mom behind. I have to look behind on my mom and and go away from here. But uh, this person with this laser sword has given me the only opportunity anybody's ever given me to succeed. So this moment when Darth Maul sneaks up on them and and Qui-Gon says, drop, like, Anakin is feeling the value that his life holds for the first time ever. Even more so than the pod race. Like, this man is about to potentially lay down his life just to get make sure you get on that shiny ship right there. And I think for mm-hmm. me that holds a lot of weight. Now let's let's go from the Darth Maul side. This is Darth Maul revealing himself. So this is the Sith. A moment he's been 
looking for. Hoping for, right? Yeah. Waiting yeah. for. And so this is the final moment, and he doesn't even go full bore. He's taunting Qui-Gon. I'm going to let you guys get away. He just stares at the starship fly away as he uh, um, deactivates his lightsaber. And like, okay, cool. Like, good first fight. I'm about to kick your ass. And I feel like um, this moment, like, it's a short fight, obviously. Martially, it's a pretty decent fight. Like, the sword fighting is decent. Yeah. Um, the camera work is kind of fun from the cockpit and from the uh, perspective of both Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. That cockpit shot is awesome. The cockpit shot is really fun. But when Qui-Gon gets back up into the starship and you sense that he's exhausted, that he's like, oh, crap, we've got an actual Sith now. This is not just some dark Jedi, so to speak, wielding a red lightsaber pretending. This is a real Sith. We're about to get into some nonsense in the galaxy. For me, this this duel is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, the the big problem I have with the Anakin situation there is that like no nine year old, if you tell them to drop, is just going to drop that quickly. Where well, that's actually one thing that I like about it because I, it I gives feel you like that Anakin's powerful Anakin's force. instincts with His the spider force, sense, like, so to speak. Qui Gon's like drop. And he's and like, he okay, no questions okay, asked. Okay, if, okay, if, okay, fair if enough. I, if I'm fair running enough. from somebody, I'm 30 years old, and somebody's like, drop. I'm going to think twice, right? Like, drop for what? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, I should have just dropped. Should have just like, dropped. Now, now I'm bisected. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's that, that's fair. I, I like it. But, and, and also, like, metaphorically, I could be stretching here, but, like, the fact that Anakin does drop so quickly is a nice, like, sneak in a foreshadowing of how quickly his fall is going to happen later. Ooh. You know, he, Ooh. like, he's a great Jedi for years and years, and, and we even see that, like, Yoda considers him one in the Clone Wars when he ha- asks him to help him on his mission in the Lost Missions. Yeah. You know, he has that respect for him. And then the, the fall happens, people complain so quickly, but, I mean, I kind of wonder if that's just a happy accident or if Luke is actually meant I'm, I'm guessing happy accident. I think so too. But <laughs> Lucas seems to have the happiest of accidents. Though. Yeah, he does. He's he's probably the luckiest uh, movie maker of all time. Well, let's just say maybe he's so in into the force that he just does things without really knowing what he's doing. He he's sees the them before master. them happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I like that. All right, let's move <laughs> into right. number one. It seems to be that time. All right, it feels good. You, you guys want me to go, or when do y'all want to go? Yeah, no, you're up, bud. All right, so this is going to surprise a grand total of zero people, but my number one is Vader versus Ahsoka. I knew Twilight it. Of the Apprentice. I knew it. Uh, this is the only thing that could trump the years of Return of the Jedi being my favorite, but for me, just, like, everything here works. The way they fight just tells you that they've, they've gone against each other time and time again yeah that they're like you literally see their connection in the blades as they they hit each other but the weight too like going back to that that conversation we had earlier is so there's just so much weight to it and when you finally see ahsoka so confidently say i am no jedi oh. telling vader that the <sighs> choice she made to walk away from the jedi was the right one yeah that like to and and 
that is as much to Vader as it is to the audience that she made the right choice. Like this is yeah. the path she was supposed to go on. And then like you, Oh, you think you've got enough of that? No, well, here's Vader's mask. It's broken open, which made me shoot straight up the first time I saw it. And then you get the mix of Matt Lanter and James Earl Jones. And just for a second, you think Anakin might be in there and then Vader shuts it off. Yes. You know? And then you will die. Oh my yeah. god. So you you look at that and you look how like in the two or three years that Anakin and Ahsoka were together as Master and Padawan, and he is just instantly like, I'm gonna kill you. But he doesn't kill Luke. Like I think it adds a lot of weight to that relationship between him and Luke. That Luke gives him a bit of pause that nobody else could have. Actually, that's funny. I never thought about the Darth Vader versus Ahsoka having much to do at all with the Darth Vader versus Luke. I think there's a big connection between... There seems to be now that you've said so. But just between Ahsoka and Vader and Luke altogether. So, like, I have this theory uh, that the reason Ahsoka stayed on Malachor is to be kind of the light in the darkness that she kind of held that light in the darkness there on Malachor to keep the light alive in Anakin as Darth Vader. To kind of like, like I think of it like an Olympic torch, right? So it passed from the Jedi through to Ahsoka as Yoda and Obi-Wan were in exile, then briefly to them until Luke was able to take up the mantle. Hmm. Hmm. See, I... I don't know. I, I think the thing with Darth Vader and Luke is that, you know, obviously Luke is his son, but it's also his his last tie to Padme that he, for, you know, 19 years, thought he had lost. Mm. And Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, canon-wise, there's not a whole lot. You know, there are some references to him, you know, still having memories of of Padme and, you know, his remorse for everything. A lot of stuff in Legends where, you know, it's just Vader in, like, his meditation chamber, like, having visions of, you know, a life he could have had with Padme and and whatnot. So I, I feel like part of his thing with Luke is, like, it's... He, he feels Padme in Luke. He's got a name. I know. I know this. Really? I think that's not not to the point where he's like gonna come back to the light, but he's like, I don't want to kill you, but you know, come come on my team. That's we, funny because I don't out. I don't think I'm alone in this, but I feel like I've always considered Luke to be Padme's son and Leia yes, to be absolutely. Vader's daughter. I mean that that doesn't you know go against what I'm saying. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> no it no, goes no. with it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely I definitely think you're absolutely correct in what you're saying. Like I think that is the thing that pulls kind of pulls him over the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think like as far as it concerns Ahsoka, it's more about like not necessarily her relationship to Vader, but just kind of her 
her as a part of the force, mm-hmm. right? Because she has the daughter's life force in her. Yep. From from Mortis, you know, mm-hmm. and so just to have that much of a powerful light in such a strong darkness is kind of like more of a metaphorical than a literal like flame in the darkness keeping the hope alive in Anakin, right? Because we see this kind of slow progression of Vader more and more taking over Anakin, right? Mm -hmm. So Lords of the Sith, you see him having flashbacks. That book is amazing. He mentions Ahsoka. I think he mentions Padme like directly by name. Then you get to Thrawn Alliances and spoiler alert for Thrawn Alliances. But I mean, it's a very minor thing. Um, (laughs) he, He refers to Anakin as the Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> I, right? that, that's not what I thought you were going to say. No, 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 no. He won't even yeah. refer to him by name, right? And then you get to A New Hope, and he's just completely gone. So I think it's like a progression of this character. And so it you see him say Ahsoka's name, and he's still there's still that hope that Anakin's there. And then he just kills it. And then yes. you're completely like if you're looking at it chronologically, there is no hope that Anakin is still there, except for Luke. Uh-huh. So I, I also I kind of feel like uh, you know Vader actively goes out of his way to like annihilate any connection he has to being Anakin Skywalker. That that's why he's not hesitating to kill Ahsoka. Like, oh, absolutely. He's He's like, all right, well, all right, Ahsoka, this kind of sucks seeing you. I'm just going to kill you. That way, you know, you're That way I don't have to think about you anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I can just be done with this. But uh, any connection to Padme, he just, it, it's that little bit of Anakin still in him that he just can't bear himself to yeah. cut that cord, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about Jason Solo and how he started to regret his decision, right? Mm-hmm. I think but just Vader, got deeper the... into it because of his regret, right? Like I think Anakin regrets it, but he's like, I'm trapped. He's trapped. I agree you with know? you. And so he's I'm like, so if this is what you. I'm gonna be, then I might as well just be it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like like a criminal who's like, well, if the you know the cops are gonna assume that I'm a bad guy, I might as well like try to rob a bank. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to end up in prison anyway, so I might as well... Do something to make it worth do it. Do something, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's not like, if even if he decided he wanted to walk away, that Palpatine would be like, alright, cool, like, it's it's been real. Like, ah, th- thanks. thanks thanks for hanging out, I'll, uh, I'll see you later. Keep you know, in touch. Palpatine's gonna zap, zap you. you to toast. Yeah. For sure. You know, He's just too deep into it, regardless of how he feels. I want to hear your one before I give my one. My one is, and I hinted at it earlier, it's it's always just going to be Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader on the Death Star. Really? I actually, as long as I've known you, I didn't know that. It, it much like, you know, my other two favorites, it, it has just... The content. Content. Yeah, that the Clone Wars and the comics and books yeah. and like you know the first time you watch that it's like okay an old man versus 
just a machine like old a robot slightly less old but half robot guy they're just dancing around whacking lightsabers right. tapping you know, tips it's no flips or anything yeah they're they're just kind of you know messing they're pretending basically other. but you know the the dialogue in that once you have the context of the the immensity of obi-wan and anakin's relationship yeah. you get the background of their fight in revenge of the sith all uh-huh. the clone wars it it just means that so much, much so much and i think a big part of that is george lucas always wanted there to be a big battle between anakin skywalker and obi-wan kenobi on a volcanic planet it was in the return of the jedi novelization right and so when when it happened on screen, like I feel like you got the immensity of twenty years of Star Wars content, you know, fifteen years of Star Wars content. You got it all unloaded on you. Yeah. And you know, Obi Wan's line, "If you strike me down, I will become more, more powerful, powerful than you could possibly imagine." It's like, yeah, the first time you watch it, it's like, all right, he's a space wizard. You know, I don't really know what that means, but, you know, all right. But then you understand, like, you know, exactly what that means. Yeah. And he does become more powerful than Darth Vader could possibly imagine. And back to foreshadowing, you get The Last Jedi, haters beware. I mean, that's what Luke does at the end of The Last Jedi. He pulls an Mm Obi-Wan from the moment on the Death Star. It's the exact same thing. He gives them just enough time to get on the Falcon and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So, uh, it it is very clearly a pretty weak fight, martially, but... Uh, I don't think that's the point of that fight. It, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a martial technique in the Sith lightsaber dueling tradition called Dunmok, or Dunmok. And that's basically using words to mess with your opponent and i think that obi-wan employs it in the light side version in that fight he's basically showering vader in light like i am not going to just die i'm going to explode in a supernova of light side power it like when when i think of obi-wan kenobi like i i feel like that that moment moment is what and who obi-wan he, kenobi is yeah what he developed as and yeah. for mm-hmm. yeah what i think go ahead if you if you want to like kind of put story to why it's kind of a lame duel itself you know is anakin and obi-wan went at it you know in the most skillful masterful lightsaber aggressive battle. yeah yes and it got them nowhere. Like, nowhere. Obi-Wan ended That's up without true. his best friend, and Anakin ended up without his legs. Like, so they're not going to they're not gonna go into that fight the same way. And you see that in Twin Sons, that Obi-Wan has changed his fighting style. Yes. You know, he, he is becoming that swordsman master. It's not, he's not going to entertain a fight for half an hour anymore. Like, there's not a point to that. And so, I think that, that, that on there, they both realize that. So to give a martial context to it, Darth Vader's form, Form 5, very gem-so. 
it, it's about counter-striking, but more than that, it's about creating opportunities to obliterate your opponent from the first or second strike, basically. Opening up openings to create the better strike. Obi-Wan style form 3, Seresu, is all about defense, completely defense, insofar as to completely wear your opponent out because all you're doing is blocking, moving, and parrying. So in that fight, like you said, there is a reason it's not so elaborate or fighty. is because Darth Vader knows that Obi-Wan is doing a thing that's just supposed to tire him out. So he's not yeah. getting tired out. He's just talking to him. He's sort of playing Obi-Wan's game. Let me just make you block a few things. And then Obi-Wan goes, let me just make you block a few things. See, I, I almost feel like it's the Jedi slash Sith equivalent of like, you know, if if you see somebody that you haven't seen for a long time that you don't necessarily get along with. You're sort of asking like, questions that take you know, the temperature of the conversation. You, you get a couple beers instead of lightsabers and just kind of, you know, see what happens poke, poke at night. each other a That's little right. bit. That's right. Yep. 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 You yep, know yep. what I mean? I also firmly believe that, uh, like, Obi-Wan foresaw what was going to happen. Yes, 100%. I, I see it in that look he gives Luke. Yes, absolutely. When Luke runs out into the hangar and Obi-Wan yes. just kind of looks at it. Like, you can see it in his eyes that, you know, he's like, all right, so this this is... This is the moment. The moment. He knew his sacrifice would be better than him being there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I don't even think it was really about the fight. I think it was him... talking to vader not like you know trying to bring him back to the light or anything because obviously he had given up hope on that but um just trying to stall almost just like getting in his head a little bit sort of like he stalled before he died sort of like if i'm gonna let luke deal with you from here forth i'm gonna put a little seed in your head of doubt yeah and when you the know, Jedi version Vader, of Dunmok. When Vader struck him through and he disappeared. He was ready. Like, Vader... Like, he stomped you, on his robe. You couldn't see it in his eyes, obviously, but he was kind of like, uh, Oh, what, what just happened? <laughs> what? That's, that's uh, not how this... Killing He's not, like, I've done this before. That's right. Yeah. Well, that, that's not what happened to Mace Windu. That has <laughs> never happened before. <laughs> And Obi-Wan's just in the netherworld of the forest like, Ooh, got you, son. <laughs> yeah. Stew on that for a little bit. Yeah. Force ghost uh, Obi-Wan just comes back and sits on his shoulder and is like, Are you having performance issues? Yeah. <laughs> he and Yoda are just chilling in the netherworld of the forest laughing. Oh, man. Yoda's like... <laughs> Alright, well, let me take this into my number one. I wasn't going to pick this, but I did because it, it draws from what you just said. It's Obi-Wan versus Grievous on uh, Utapau. Number one. Number one. Number, okay. Wow. All right. That was going to be one of my bottom three. See, this, this is one of my top three from... It starts from a Marshall perspective and expands into a Star Wars perspective. So, Marshally, 
uh, if you ever read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, you know that Obi-Wan Kenobi was the only Jedi that the Council thought was even capable of facing General Grievous. Because when that movie came out, Tartakovsky Clone Wars was still quote-unquote canon. And so General Grievous was seen as being pretty much unbeatable by anybody in the Jedi Order. And like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the master of Form 3, the defensive form, Seresu. So when you're faced with somebody who can use four lightsabers with pretty proficient form in all of the lightsaber forms, capital F, the only person who could possibly stand a chance is the person who can defend himself better than anybody. So in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, there's a scene, it's on the other bookshelf, there's a scene between Mace Windu and Obi-Wan where Mace Windu basically tells him, listen, I know you doubt yourself, but nobody else doubts you. You are the only person that can bring this cyborg terror down. And because you're the only person, this is the most important battle of the Clone Wars. Now, really, the most important battle of the Clone Wars is the one that Obi-Wan was snoozing for. The one between Anakin and Dooku on the Invisible Hand when he cuts Dooku's head off. That's the most important battle of the Clone Wars, probably. But, up to that point... Obi-Wan doesn't even realize what happened between Dooku and Anakin because he was snoozing. So for the, for the rest of the Jedi Order, this is the most... You need not only the finest swordsman, basically, the person who won't get cut down, the master of defense, but you also need somebody who can out-talk General Grievous. The Negotiator. So, when he cuts off two of General Grievous's arms and then defeats in, him... In, like, ten seconds. In, like, ten yeah. seconds! And kills three or four of his guards with the motion of a wrist. I mean, this is setting you up for that duel between him and Anakin. Where you I see that... I don't think so. Yeah, exactly! Even the mastery that Anakin Skywalker has of the lightsaber cannot defeat the Master of Defense. And so, to me, the duel between Obi-Wan and Grievous, he doesn't even defeat him with a lightsaber. He defeats him with lightsaber technique and a blaster. So uncivilized. You know what I'm saying? So, so for me, it's like, it's, it's telling you that even though Anakin is a better swordsman, Obi-Wan is unbeatable. And in episode four, the moment Bede's talking about, only when Obi-Wan concedes to die... Does he die? Up until that very moment. All yeah, the way from General Grievous to the Death Star, he's been playing with everybody he duels. It, it wasn't like Obi-Wan got actually cut down no. by Vader. He, 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 he raised his lightsaber. Exactly. He's like, alright, I'm done. And that all starts like, with Mace Windu telling Obi-Wan, like, you're the only person who can possibly face General Grievous. Can I mention something else? Please do. This is why we're here. Uh... It, it's from the novelization of that scene. Uh, by the way, for anybody listening, one of the best novelizations out there. It, it's very uh, no, 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 the best novelization. You think so? I might, I, I, think I might so. agree with you. Yeah, I might agree with you. Um, so, in in that Obi Wan Grievous fight, mm-hmm. you know, Grievous drops the line like "You fool!" 
I was trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku. And it's a line that's not in the movie, but Obi-Wan says something like, Oh, that's funny. I trained the no, guy it's that in the killed movie. him. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. The The Grievous line is in there. The Grievous but... line is in there, but the Obi-Wan but line Obi- isn't. Don't. Don't question Can we me. watch Revenge of the Sith tonight? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. If, <laughs> if for no other reason than to prove you wrong. But, yeah, it's like, all right, Obi-Wan. Like, I was trained by Count Dooku. It's like, oh, word. I, well, I trained the guy and, that and that's killed a, Count Dooku. That's a testament to not only Obi-Wan as a sword fighter, but, like, it tells you how his sword fighting style attributes to his living style. Yeah, the defensive the master follows. is the de- is the master of defensive wordplay. To- it's interesting, and so for me that grievous Obi Wan fight, although as a fight it's maybe not the most interesting, it holds a lot of weight for the character of Obi Wan Kenobi, who holds a lot of weight for the rest of the Star Wars universe. That's fair. I just always consider that like half lightsaber duel, half car chase. No, yeah. it it is uh, that. It is that. I agree with you on there. And I already picked a shoddy lightsaber yeah. duel earlier. He, he so. said Ala Secura in you're, Order 66. Yeah. Breaking the rules all over the place. <laughs> this, is, this is not your top three, bottom three, anytime a lightsaber is on screen. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite oh, lightsaber my fight is when Han Solo uses it to cut <laughs> it the My favorite lightsaber fight is when Kylo lights his lightsaber up right through Han Solo. Oh my gosh. Emotional weight, right? Yeah, it's got got a lot of emotional weight. <laughs> I'm talking about the Tauntaun one. Oh my god. Uh, hey, they would have died otherwise. I, I don't think Han climbed in there. That's I so... mean, if you listen to the radio drama, they were snuggling up and having a little chat. I actually kind of like those old radio dramas. Uh, I, I, that's another topic for another day, but I kind of yeah. dig those. For another day. I kind of dig those. Um, yeah, it, this is an interesting topic. A lot more to talk about than I... I mean, like, I know within a lightsaber duel, the reason they're in the movies is to give you these things to talk about, but... Right. Sometimes you don't realize there's that much within the fight. Well, you get caught up in the, like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, cool, you know? right, exactly, yeah. And you And you forget... I don't think when you're, like, watching a lightsaber duel, you're ever thinking about the emotional weight of it. No, you go back and think about those yeah. things. I, I have a suggestion, and this is going to be real quick. I say we we all go around, just do an honorable mention, not go, like, super into detail. Like Fabies, Navies. Just, you know, just one Faby. Well, Fabies only? Just, you know... We, we don't have to... Just to sort of wrap it up. Really dissect it. Yeah, no, anything. just one honorable mention. Because I, I have an honorable mention. Do you want to start then? You go ahead first, because I think you might take mine, and I'll change mine. Uh, I'm going Obi-Wan and Asajj Ventress oh. versus Savage and Darth Maul. Oh! A lot of fun. I love the the wordplay between Obi-Wan On and On that cargo ship that they're yeah. flying? Oh. That's a, that is- it's, it's good. very good. That almost Plus made it into my top three. Very nice honorable mention. So that's me. Okay. Brandon, what you got, brother? I am going to, since you were breaking the rules, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm going the Praetorian Guards and Last Jedi. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd say that counts. I, I don't even think that breaks the rules. I think that's yeah. within the rule set. That is visual storytelling at its best. Beautiful visual so, storytelling. Like, so great. And I, and I don't think there was anybody in that theater who wasn't just sitting on the edge of their seat the first time they saw that. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Or yeah. the eighth time they saw that, if yeah, you're me. beautiful stuff. Okay, my honorable mention is going to be, we talked about it just like for five seconds earlier, but Sidious versus Darth Maul and Savage in Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, it's right after Darth Maul cuts Prey Vizsla down, which is in and of itself a pretty cool duel um, with the Darksaber. But then Sidious, like you said earlier, just comes out and basically relishes in killing his old apprentice. Well, and I love he just walks in the room and force chokes the uh, Mandalorians. Yes. And right away, Darth Maul is like, oh, crap. Like, here he comes. The (laughs) one guy I can't beat. The one guy. That's right. I I like how he, he drops the Darth Vader line from A New Hope. He's like, I sense something, a presence I've not felt since Master. Right, yeah. And then, like, when Savage is like, no, brother, like, don't kill me. And he's like, but he's my master. I don't know what to do right now. Like, this is such a bad situation. That's a good And it makes you wonder what happened between, like, there when Palpatine has him on the floor and says, I have uses for you, and Solo. Yes! Uh... Check out Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. Well, yeah, there's that, but is that the only thing? Like, no, I wonder. If it is the only thing as of now, yeah. It's the only and thing. it's not real intricate, right? But like, is it the only thing that Palpatine had him do? Like, was it like, all right, you did Dathomir, and now I'm done with you, but you can't really cause much more trouble, so whatever. I'm real or curious to see what happens is with Palpatine Solo secretly in control of the crime syndicates. Also, this could like, be a crazy setup. I I feel like Darth Maul is probably operating independently. Alone. I I think he because after the Son of Dathomir comic, he kind of like flew off the radar a little bit. And if you think about it, it's also at that point in the Clone Wars getting pretty close to Revenge of the Sith. So Palpatine's got some uh, bigger maybe, problems, maybe some more important things that he's worried about. As opposed to uh, what Darth Maul's doing. And then I think by the time, you know, he wipes out the Jedi and institutes the Empire, he's just like, nah, to hell with Darth Maul. Right. But whatever he's yeah. doing out there, it's of no consequence to me. Palpatine gotta, realizes if, if that... If he becomes a rival, then I'll just squash Palpatine him Palpatine realizes that Darth Maul is mainly a physical attribute. He was a tool. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas somebody like Dooku has other uses, not just the physical. And Dooku, in and of himself, was a physical specimen. By 80 years old, he's still able to outduel not just one Jedi Master, but his finest apprentice ever in the Order. So. Yeah, no, I'm. Dude, what a fun episode we've had yeah, tonight. That like was. This has been amazing. Talkings. We've been all over the Outer Rim and the Prolemian trade route here. That right. yeah, it was it was a good time. <laughs> I mean, how much lightsaber duels we actually talked and how much other stuff we got into, but it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Well, this is longer than your average episode, so I do apologize. You know, for we're that. we're the the longest short podcast on the internet. So we're okay, good. fair enough. 
I, I thought it was funny when I asked uh, Food here earlier what we were going to be talking about. And he's like, oh, uh, top three, like, lowest three lightsaber fights. I'm like, what? That, it's going to take, like, half an hour. Now here we are two and a half hours later. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Then, then we do, like, our first least favorite. It's like, oh, well, I just talked about that for half an hour. Yeah. Of yeah. Itself, so. Don't make any plans for today or tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's funny how that happens. Such such a, you put a few uh, Star Wars fans in a room. Yeah. And you got a recipe, and you got some beer reviews out of the whole deal. Keystone. Keystone, baby. <laughs> All right, so if you want more food and beer recipes, I guess not really beer recipes, but food recipes and beer suggestions, you guys want to go ahead and give your plugs? Yeah, man, starbecuepod.com. Uh, you can find our Facebook and Instagram right from there. Um we don't update as much as we should. I have a two-year-old at home. Give me a little slack. But Fode doesn't update as soon as he should. And yeah. I don't know how to do it. So I do my best. But all of our episodes are up there. Right now what we're doing is we call them roasts, but they're commentaries for each of the Clone Wars arcs. And we're about to start season four. Brandon will soon be on for the Younglings Gathering Crystals yeah. arc. Yeah. That'll be fun. Gunji. Um, yeah, Gunji the Wookiee Jedi. But that's what we're doing right now on Starbucks. We're roasting each of the Clone Wars arcs, and we also have a few nibble episodes where we're just kind of talking Star Wars. Yeah, some some um, our friends from the community. It is adults only, so I should warn y'all about that. I know this ep- this show is not Clashing Sabers is not, but our show is adults only. So if you're not 21, you should be 18, and if you're not 18, don't listen to our show. Period. Oh, we just curse. We curse heavily. We yeah. drink heavily, too. I don't think you have to be 21 to curse. No, you don't. But you do have to drink. be 21 to drink heavily, so let's just put that oh. out there. I, I didn't really subscribe by that rule. <laughs> <laughs> StarbecuePod.com, y'all. Thank you so much. We think with our stomachs, and we love barbecue just like Texas. And drinking. And drinking, just like Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is also accurate. Uh, and of course, for more of us, you can come hang out with us in the uh, Clashing Saber Star Wars community on Facebook and Foden Beater in there as well. We do it. Yeah, once in a um, while we get in there. Yeah, so uh, follow us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. And if you want to send us any thoughts or you want to have a special guest on the show or, or anything you want to tell us, you can email us clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And until next time, always remember don't barbecue the porgs. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's a good sign-off. <laughs> the podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. So uncivilized.